Roll up, roll up. It's Monday. It's religious studies project time. Come, everyone. Come, one. Come, all. Listen with your ears. Here's a podcast brought to you in association with the BASR, NAASR, and IAHR. My name is Christopher Carter. He is David Robertson. And today we've got an interview that Sydney Castillo Cadenas. And recorded on South American church-state relations with Marco Huaco Palomino. Take it away, Sydney. Professor Marco Huaco is a lawyer from Universidad Nacional Mayor de San Marcos, a master in science of religion from the same university. He's also a master in human rights from the University of Strasbourg and has a diploma of economic, social, and cultural rights from the College Universitaire Henry Lund. He is currently cursing his doctoral studies in Université Paris 1, Pantheon Sorbonne, and Universidad de Sevilla. Welcome, Professor Ward, to the Early Studies Project. Thank you, Sid. It's a pleasure. Well, now we are here to learn about the uh, law of religion, as mm-hmm. you call it, right? And one of the first questions that I would like to ask you is, you know, in your research, you often speak about the nature of religion or law of religion as part of a subfield in the study of law. Could you please elaborate this proposal of yours? And also, how laicidad, in Spanish, or secularity, can be understood from this academic perspective? Yeah. Uh, religion law is a field of uh, general right uh, of religion and uh, religion law uh, is more is a, a, a more general term mm-hmm. that implies that uh, this uh, branch of law is about uh, the individual and collective uh, religious fact but the more traditional term of uh, ecclesiastical law of a state is a, a term that uh, implies that the the only concern of the state is the collective uh, religious uh, factor. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, in the context of a secu- uh, secu- secular state, it's more appropriate to talk about uh, religion of religion law, mm-hmm. because uh, the state has a concern about the juridical effects mm-hmm. or consequence of the individual and collective religious factor not only the collective. Mm. Yes. And um, now, regarding this part of religion law or law of religion, uh, one of the things that uh, I would also like to ask you is, um, well, you have done comparative research about the constituent processes in three countries of South America, right? And for to explore the church-state relations of other countries of the region, what kind of measure do you use to speak about degrees of secularity? Okay, in my in my thesis master, I work about uh, um, intent to measure the laicity principle or the secularness principle, mm-hmm. but mainly found in juridical aspects and institutional aspects, not in cultural aspects or historical. Uh, because I think that the, if one uh, has to measure the the quantity of uh, securance in an state, 
one has to consider or regard uh, several aspects, not only juridical or institutional. Mm -hmm. But in my thesis master, I work only uh, the two factors uh, mentioned, the historic, the juridical and institutional. Mm -hmm. I work a, a founding my, my thesis in the uh, existence or not of a concordance, mm -hmm. no? international treaties between the Holy See and the states, mm -hmm. constitutional mentions of religion or uh, certain uh, religious uh, groups mm -hmm. in the constitution, the mention of God in the preamble of the constitutions, mm -hmm. the, the existence of the religious education in the uh, public education, mm -hmm or the sexual education in public education, in public schools, mm -hmm. also the juridical status of the uh, main uh, religious uh, group in the country, mm -hmm. uh, in com uh, comparing, comparing it with the status of the religious minori minorities in the country. For example, in Peru we have the uh, Catholic Church mm -hmm. as a majority religion, and we have a concordat, a trade international treaty between the Holy See and the state of Peru. Also, we have uh, several laws that uh, concerns the Catholic Church, uh, a special status mm -hmm. or more rights mm -hmm. than the uh, religious minorities have in Peru. And also we have that the constitution, our constitution and our law, our laws and our uh, public schools have the Catholic religion as a principal religion to teach and mm -hmm. to promote uh, by the state. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have a secular state in Peru is the question. Mm -hmm. I think that yes, we have a secular state because we have a republic. Mm -hmm. We have a religious liberty. We have a equal rights in several aspects, but we don't have a total secular state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have a, we are as a country in a certain grade of secular secular secularity mm -hmm. in the um, in the scope mm -hmm. no, of secularities in the region. Mm -hmm. So in my uh, thesis, I uh, did a chart mm -hmm. comparing the several states, secular states of uh, our region, mm -hmm. uh, Argentina, Peru, uh, Colombia, Chile, Ecuador, Bolivia, mm -hmm. Mexico, and Uruguay. Uh, and also Spain, España, because uh, his historical and cultural influence in our region. Mm -hmm. uh, for historical reasons, and I found that uh, regarding the historic, the juridical and institutional factor, we have uh, uh, we have several degrees of secularism of the state mm -hmm. in Latin America. In one side, we have Uruguay and Mexico, mm -hmm. for example, uh, as as countries that have. Uh, deep uh, secular state and in the other side uh, we have uh, countries like uh, uh, Peru, no? like uh, Colombia that have certain problems of security of the state. Yeah, um, well as you may know 
uh, in November 11 of 2015 was the centenary of the religious freedom and tolerance in Peru. How can we understand this process of secularity from within its legal and social factors? Mm -hmm. The introduction of religious liberty in Peru was a very hard uh, historical process. Uh, we as a country, we, we were the last country in the region mm -hmm. uh, to recognize the religious liberty rights. Mm -hmm as usual in several fields of the human rights, unfortunately. Um, the recognition of the religious liberty at the Constitution of Peru uh, was the result of uh, a fight uh, of several political groups as the Protestants in, the, in that uh, time. Uh, they, were, they joined the liberal and francmasons groups, mm. um, free thinkers, associations, uh, and they conform a front, uh, a front of uh, religious uh, liberty right concerns uh, composed by uh, protestants, uh, liberals, francmasons, and free thinkers. Mm -hmm. It was very unusual because today you can't uh, find that kind of uh, association in Peru, mm. but it, it reflects the moment, uh, the historical moment of Peru in that in that, uh, in that uh, epoch. Mm -hmm. So um, Peru has uh, walked through uh, two etapes, two historical etapes, very very clear. The one is the confessional. Characterized by a um, link between religious and politics and the church and the state in Peru. Mm -hmm. And the second one is inaugurated in 1979 with, the approbation, uh, with approval of the constitution that marks the transition, the democratic transition mm -hmm. um, from the dictatorship of uh, the military dictatorship through the uh, democratic regimes in Peru. In that uh, constitution, the state recognized religious liberty in negative and in positive ways, not, not only banning the persecution because religious ideas, but also recognizing uh, religious minorities in Peru. But at the same time, the state also signs the international treaty with the Holy See mm. and also recognized a high position of the Catholic Church uh, in comparison with the another uh, religious groups. So we have now in Peru a, a, a state that is a, a sort of confessional state but uh, with some areas of secular, secularism. Huh? Mm -hmm. It's a paradoxical situation. For example, in, in in matters of a family and marriage, mm -hmm. I think that we have a secular state. But in sexual and reproductive rights, we definitely have a confessional state. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not a monolithical, uh, it's not a monolithical secular, uh, sec uh, secular state in Peru. Mm -hmm. 
but also in family and marriage matters, we uh, we don't recognize yet the homosexual marriage mm-hmm. or the marriage between person of the same sex, mm-hmm. no, same sex marriage. But we recognize the divorce no, and the secular uh, marriage, which is uh, an institution uh, typical of the secular state. So we have, uh, I think that we uh, are in a transition uh, to a more deeply uh, secular state. Mm. And these these efforts to make the transition are depending on which or whom? Okay, it's a difficult question because uh, in fact the secular principle or the laicity principle is not uh, a principle that is uh, acquired or, uh, or regard, regarded as a main principle of the democratic state mm. or uh, our democratic society in Peru, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, the Catholic population in Peru not only is uh, Catholic, but is also um, authoritarian mm. in several matters, uh, also uh, mainly in moral and religious matters. Mm-hmm. So our population is mainly Catholic and also authoritarian. It's not as the population in Mexico or Uruguay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that both countries have a strong uh, Catholic population, but at the same time they are uh, secular. Mm. It's interesting. And also as Ecuador, uh, a country uh, which has a liberal and secular uh, tradition, political tradition, very strong in that country Mm -hmm. because the legacy of the uh, Alfaro, uh, the General Alfaro, Eloy Alfaro, who developed a battle against the Catholic Church in Ecuador. Mm. Uh, similar to the historical spheres of Mexico and Uruguay. That three countries has uh, a Catholic majority, mm. but this majority believe in the secular state. Is That is very different in Peru. Mm-hmm. So I think that we have to affront uh, cultural transformation for, at first stance, and also we can uh, affront uh, political and juridical transformations uh, that could lead to a more secular state. Great. Excellent. Now, you have been mentioned this in the past couple of questions, but we are going to focus a bit more on this matter. Since 1980, the state of Peru, as you have mentioned, and the Holy See have established the Concordat, special type of agreement that allows the Catholic Church to have many privileges in tributary, institutional, and legal matters, among others. How this particular agreement have a direct incidence in civil society when arguing about sexual and reproductive rights, for instance? Mm-hmm. Um, the consequence of the existence of this treaty, international treaty between the Holy See and the uh, Peruvian state, is mainly political, not only juridical. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the field of the juridical consequence, 
the Catholic Church has a, a special place uh, in the country, uh, a place uh, which has several privileges. Mm -hmm. uh, one could say that is the breach of the equal principle in the Constitution. But in the political field, uh, the existence of this concord has more consequence because the political uh, society thinks that uh, that we have an official Catholic state, mm -hmm. which is anachronical because our constitution does re does does not recognize that uh, kind of uh, institution in Peru. Mm -hmm. No more. So. Uh, our political class, uh, society, thinks that uh, because the existence of the international treaty between Peru and the Holy See, so the Catholic religion mm -hmm. has a, a high uh, level or high character mm -hmm. for above the human rights of uh, lesbian, gay, uh, transsexual people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, also, above the uh, women's rights. Mm -hmm. So it's a problem because the Concordat, in the fact, uh, guarantees an unequal situation, an unequal recognition of rights uh, between the Peruvians. Mm. And this, for example, have been, um, um, how can we say it, been present in some juridical cases, or famous cases in Peru? Mm -hmm. Yes, the Concordat has mentioned it as a found, uh, as a basis of the special status of the Catholic Church uh, by the jurisprudence of the Constitutional Court in Peru. Mm -hmm. uh, several courts in Peru have mentioned the mere existence of this inter international treaty as a basis of uh, the, the, the uh, sort of uh, discrimination principle in favor of the Catholic mothers and the Catholic views above uh, the human rights. Mm -hmm. So it's really a concern for the democracy in Peru, mm -hmm. the mere existence of this international treaty. But I think it would be unrealistic to expect the derogation of that international treaty. Mm -hmm. I think uh, for example, the most uh, the most uh, way to to transform this situation could be the renegotiation mm -hmm. of the content of the international treaty to adopt it uh, in relation of the uh, constitutional provisions mm -hmm. of equality and liberty mm -hmm. uh, in, in favor of the human rights situations. Right. And um, oh, it's the last question, right? Uh, situating us ourselves in a more present uh, scenario. Now, as of March of 2016, we were amidst presidential elections campaign. Many of the political parties, or the participant political parties, have included evangelical and Pentecostal representatives for Congress and other political positions. In fact, and in fact, this has been a tendency since the early 90s. 
How 90s, I'm sorry. How does the participation of these often conservatives, religious representatives affect the Peruvian institutional secularity? Yes, a lot. It affects a lot because in the parliament we have a religious fundamentalist bloc mm. composed by uh, ultra conservative evangelicals and Catholics. Mm. We have to uh, remember that Peru, our country, has eight bishops of the Opus Dei. Mm. Uh, is the main quantity in any country in the world. Neither Spain has uh, such a such quantity of uh, bishop of the Opus Dei institution mm. institute. So um, it's a country that has a very deep uh, conservative roots in, in the field of the religious uh, in the Catholic religion. Mm -hmm. So uh, that situation is reflected in the Parliament. Mm. We have um, an alliance between evangelicals and Catholics fundamentalists, mm. uh, which uh, join also a secular political interest. Mm. The society, uh, the political society in Peru, thinks that uh, we only live under a secular uh, confessional state, so uh, they are really. Uh, Persuade that uh, our religious society, mm -hmm. composed by a, a Catholic majority, has a mandate, has a uh, have a, a mandate, an imperative uh, mm -hmm. mandate that their politicals have to respect the religious, the, the Catholic religion. So they think that they have the religious mission. Mm -hmm. Mainly the, the fundamentalists uh, who came from the evangelical uh, sides, mm -hmm. they have they think that they have the the religious mission to uh, convert the secular Peruvian state into a confessional one. Mm -hmm. They say uh, Peru for Christ or Peru for Jesus Christ. That means that all insti political institutions in Peru have to be found in the Bible. Mm -hmm. no? Of course, uh, in a comprehension of the Bible uh, that they have. No? Uh, so, uh, it's, the it's the same purpose of the uh, Catholic uh, ultra-conservative uh, forces in Peru, mm -hmm. mainly the Sodalicio, the Vida Cristiana, and the Opus Dei Institute. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have an increasing uh, increasing influence in the Peruvian politics, despite the secular institutions uh, warranted in the constitution and certain laws. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, they have success in to uh, impede or to stop important uh, political reforms. Mm -hmm to guarantee uh, crucial human rights as, a, as, as for example uh, women's rights and LGBTA rights. Mm. Uh, our uh, sexual and reproductive uh, policy is under uh, a strict scrutiny mm. of the Catholic Church and Evangelical churches. Also uh, the certain mothers of uh, 
family rights are uh, under uh, watching of the conservative church and leader and um, fundamentalist leaders. So in Peru, we have a hard uh, confront, a hard battle between the secular uh, and in certain case, religious leaders mm -hmm. that uh, battle for the democratic system mm -hmm. against the ultra-religious conservative uh, forces in Peru, composed by, uh, in, in their majority, by uh, Catholic and evangelical leaders. Well, Professor Warfield, it has been a pleasure to hear have this interview and hear what you have to say about these matters, about your research properly. And uh, we hope to have you again in the least high spray other times. So. Thank you. Thank you for this interview, Sid. Thanks, Sydney, for another excellent podcast. And it occurs to me that that's the fourth continent in the space of four interviews. I mean, we really are becoming quite international. So we went from Europe at the BASR conference to North America to Australia last week and this week to South America. Yes. If only we could now jump to Africa and Asia. But alas, we're still looking for people to do interviews for us there. So oh. if it, we'll hope maybe things are starting to change. Um, can't say too much, but if you're in those regions and would like to do a couple of interviews for the RSP, please do get in contact with us at editors at religiousstudiesproject.com. Indeed. Um, next week we'll be jumping sort of back across the continental border up to North America um, for a roundtable discussion that Brad Stoddard uh, recorded on the... Um, the dissertation to book process. So um, this should be of particular interest to you if you're uh, considering going into the, the sort of academic industry and you're writing a lengthy dissertation. How do you take that and, and turn it into a book? Because they're not the same, uh, not the same thing. I know that my colleague across the table from me here would have um, a lot to say about that um, and might uh, throw it in at the end of next week's podcast. Uh, but So we're really pleased to have this next week and do come back for it. You can, as always, find more RSP material. Um, Twitter is quite active. Facebook page, there's a lot of extra content on there. Uh, Google Plus, I think, still exists. YouTube, um, as ever, and we're working towards having more video content on there. There's a few up, and we're going to be getting some more very soon. Um, you can rate us on iTunes, and if you use us, if you use iTunes to listen to the show, please do give us a rating. Um, don't forget about our uh, Amazon affiliate links.com.co.uk and .ca. And don't forget to come back on uh, Thursday for the response to this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>